what that resulted is the CFO of that company had to sign a contract in which he paid in advance for five years of this service for his ships. That in turn nearly caused that CFO to flirt with bankruptcy. A risk that he didn't even know existed the day before is pushing him to bankruptcy the next day. Growing a business requires a holistic approach that extends beyond sales and marketing. This approach needs alignment among people, processes, and technologies. So if you're a business owner, operations, or finance leader looking to learn growth strategies from your peers and competitors, you're tuned into the right podcast. Welcome to the WBS Podcast, where scalable growth using business systems is our number one priority. Now, here is your host, Sam Gupta. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the WBS Podcast. I'm Sam Gupta, your host and principal consultant at Digital Transformation Consulting Firm, Elevate IQ. If you are a small business, Operating as a single entity with one warehouse and site, most of your suppliers will have a handshake relationship. But as you grow, you are going to add more sites. Each site may have its procurement function and may manage its supply chain. This is where having accurate supplier intelligence and a comprehensive risk profile of suppliers becomes important. In today's episode, we have our guest, Matt Keys who describes the importance of supplier intelligence and how that helps uncover supply risks before it's too late. He also discusses how centralized relationships can help companies save money through centralized contract and supplier profiles. Finally, he describes supply chain risk concepts through the stories of his recent engagements. Let me introduce Matt to you. Matt started off studying religious terrorism and one 12 merit-based scholarships for being the first to infiltrate a terrorist cult in Japan. He then turned to sales where he has closed $100 million in total deals and won awards for being a top performer 9 out of 14 years. Then he moved into the AI space working at a company that applied AI to everything from terrorism to plus-sized women's clothing. And finally, Craft.co, overseeing their international business in supplier intelligence. With that, let's get to the conversation. Hey, Matt. Welcome to the show. Hey, Sam. Thanks. I am super excited to have you, especially when it comes to your experience with supply chain risk. It's so important for our listeners. So super excited to dig deeper into that. Just to kick things off, do you want to start with your personal story and your current focus, Matt? Yeah, sure. I'll take you kind of from uh, the beginning to the end really quickly. I started off in professional academics studying religious terrorism. I was the first American and foreigner to infiltrate a Japanese terrorist sect where I did kind of my graduate research. Really had a passion for teaching, but um, realized very quickly that professional academics is a difficult path to, to go. When I was a kid growing up, like you, I had challenges as a teenager. I really related to your story in the initial episode. It's one of my favorite episodes. And the people that helped me survive that challenge were my teachers because they built relationships with me. And so that's been kind of uh, the theme through my career is success through relationship building. So I moved into sales, 
where I, I started in technology sales, saw a lot of success in that, and then moved on to artificial intelligence and now supply chain intelligence with Kraft. Okay, amazing. And that's quite a background, to be honest, because uh, you have a very interesting and diverse background. I'm pretty sure you have had a lot of learnings from there. And that is probably helping you in your relationship building and managing relationships with the suppliers. Uh, on that note, we have one of the standard questions that we ask every single guest that come on the show. And that is going to be your perspective on business growth, Matt. Yeah, yeah. For me, the the key to business growth and what's really made me successful, made the business that I've been a part of successful, is around relationship building. And that's just me being authentic to myself. One of the things I love about the WS Rocks community is it's primarily a community of entrepreneurs who are trying to be authentic to themselves, who happen to work in finance and operations for SMBs. And a lot of people tell you there's one way to succeed or another way to succeed. I think when they do that, they're generally selling something or trying to recruit you. For me, being authentic to myself, the way has been to succeed through growing relationships. And the key to relationship building is empathy. And then the kind of the way that um, digital transformation helps unlock that is through providing additional intelligence. What I find is that growth in business comes from building relationships. And if I take care of relationships, the money takes care of itself. If I'm a leader, if I take care of the relationships with my employees, the organization takes care of itself. And I'm amazed at the dividends that that pays and the problems that that avoids and solves. If you just put in a little upfront investment in understanding the other party and building a relationship with them. Okay, amazing. I love your perspective, the way you like to emphasize on the relationship building and the community and empathy. I think those are super critical especially when we work with suppliers uh, and when we look at the supply chain risk. So on that note, I know that you have tons and tons of stories of your recent engagements that you have done with uh, different businesses and you have helped them assess the supply chain risk. So would you like to share any specific stories of your recent engagement, how you have helped them through supply chain risk, but through relationship building? So, yeah, yeah, I can think of a great story where um, I had a customer actually measured the impact of more informed and better relationship building on their impact on their business. And this was a, a fairly large oil major. But for them, by building out a platform that enabled them to just enter negotiations with their suppliers on a more prepared footing and with more intelligence, they estimated it's conservatively going to save them $500 million a year. So you can, obviously that's a fairly big number, but if you extrapolate that back to any business, there's a meaningful business advantage to be gained in being better formed in your negotiations with suppliers and understanding your suppliers better. Okay, so let's go one level deeper into the story. So obviously the savings are great, but describe the business a bit more in terms of, you know, what kind of suppliers did they have? What kind of products were they carrying? What kind of business did they have? What was the business model? And what were the risks when you got into the engagement? What was the problem that they had identified when they invited you to this engagement? Yeah, so in this case, it was the upstream part of the business, which is okay. the exercise of marketing gas, selling okay. gas, essentially. So not the drilling and extracting it. And so in this case, what they had was a number of relationships that were fragmented. 
So you'd have one person, one division buying from the same company, another person from another division buying from the same company. Those weren't joined up. The right hand didn't know what the left hand was doing. And they needed a single platform where they could have one unified understanding of their suppliers. And so that was what we provided for them. Okay. And when you say relationship fragmented, so let's say if I'm looking at some of our manufacturing listeners, obviously they work with tons and tons of suppliers. Let's say I'm talking about my automotive manufacturer and they might have, I don't know, maybe they are working with thousand different suppliers. Sometimes they might have multiple different sites and all of those sites may be operating independently. They might have their own relationships just because the shipping cost may be lower. So they might be working with the local suppliers. So would this, the, the, the business that I'm describing, was the business that you work with, was it similar to this? Did they have similar challenges? Because typically in our space, when we look at these businesses, they don't really think more in the comprehensive manner when you look at the organization. They don't really have the organization set up or the budget set up so that you have this comprehensive insight in the organization they are going to do their independent decision making across the site. So let's say if they had the comprehensive insight that you could do for this specific business, are they going to experience the similar value that you had in your story? Sam, you've nailed it. That's exactly right. As soon as you've got essentially more than one division with your company or more than one buyer, you start to tend to run into these tangled relationships where oftentimes different divisions, although they're devoted to different business purposes, are procuring similar things from the same manufacturers. And that coordination breaks down. And in all these cases, there's going to be a lot of pressure on any purchaser to reduce costs, which is important and a key part of any business relationship and any negotiation. But you also have to think ahead. What COVID's revealed about supply chain is how important it is to have a resilient and agile supply chain, not just an inexpensive one. We spent a generation perfecting just-in-time delivery, agile, lean methodologies in supply chain, and it blew up in our faces last year. All of those efficiencies turned into weaknesses when the global supply chain was put under stress, and every business in the world is feeling the result of that this year. Every consumer in the world is feeling the result of that this year in the form of increased prices. So the problem there is needing to agilely and quickly, A, understand your relationship with suppliers, and by investing in that relationship with your supplier, very quickly, you can be the one that gets the scarce supply, right? That has now become a competitive advantage. What was previously just friendship, perhaps in 2019, and a good relationship in 2020 becomes a critical business advantage because you have an advantaged position with that supplier, both in terms of getting the goods you need and getting that at an optimal cost. Similarly, if things go sideways, you need the intelligence to very quickly pivot and find new suppliers to replace the old ones or augment their supplies. Every business in America is facing this challenge. Okay, so let's go back to the story a bit more. So you are looking at restructuring of your contract, the way you structure your vendors in your systems and processes. Now that is much deeper because that requires the change in the organization, the way the organization is operating at this point of time. So how is the relationship building in empathy relevant to what you are describing right now? 
Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right, Sam. Um, I love ERP professionals because they're really in the guts of this and really driving growth across the economy right now in solving these kind of problems. What you typically see, even in a single ERP instance, in a single business, is suppliers with multiple records, multiple names. Um, I was speaking to one business where they were buying from Microsoft, but they were buying from Microsoft in literally 10 different names. I had another uh, medium-sized business that had a relationship with PwC. And when the CEO said, I'm meeting with the leaders of PwC, I want to understand what our business is. It took them three days to track down all the different accounts and all the different business units that had individual relationships into that consultancy, be it for tax purposes, be it for finance purposes, be it for sales coaching, be it for supply chain uh, uh, optimization, you name it. Having that, the, the, the fundamental foundation of empathy is understanding and the fundamental foundation of understanding is intelligence. And that's where business leaders today face a challenge. They can't pull that intelligence from their current systems easily, nor can they get that system, that intelligence easily from outside their systems. So if you're trying to understand that particular supplier going into negotiation, you could spend three hours Googling them and still miss a lot of important details about them. Or you could spend three hours logging into 30 different sites, all of which provide you with a little sliver of information on that supplier and still go in underprepared and not aware of everything you need to know about that supplier going into that negotiation. Does, does that kind of make sense? Am I answering your question? Yeah, it does. In fact, I'm actually going to take this to the next level in um, in understanding overall how to go through this journey. And obviously, you know, you sort of described that how important it is to have the centralized understanding of your suppliers, how important it is to to analyze that, you know, whether you have the centralized relationships or not. Uh, and that is actually going to save you a lot of money. So let's say if I look at this from a small to medium-sized business uh, you know, perspective, let's say if I'm the, the CEO or CXO or the CFO, and I am trying to, obviously, I need to worry about my sales. That is always the highest priority. If you don't get sales, uh, I don't know what we are going to do inside the organization. So 80% of my focus is probably going to be there. So as the manufacturing executive, I'm probably not worrying uh, as much of the procurement or how the supplier relationships are, are set up. So how to take this journey to the next level? In my experience, when I walk to these manufacturing facilities or distribution facilities, sometimes they don't even look at what kind of relationship they have in each of the facilities and which products are going to be sourced by which specific vendor and what state of the relationship they have at this moment of time and what risks they are going to have, let's say, in the near future, right? And especially, let's say, if you have 1,000, 10,000 different suppliers, how do you, number one, track this journey? How do you plan this when you go from, let's say, $5 million to $10 million to $25 to $200 million to a $1 billion? What is the process of, of planning, number one, the relationships? And number two, the, the supply chain risk. Yeah, yeah. So two answers to that question. First of all, I would challenge your assumption that supply chain isn't a top priority to executives right now. Okay. Even as much as sales, if you, if you think about it right now, what IBM says is that 60% of businesses expect to be disrupted by a competitor yeah. with better supply chain management within three years. Not new products, not better sales, not a better business model, not digital disruption, just better supply chain management. Yeah. Tim Cook, CEO of Apple, much more a supply chain expert than a design guy like Steve Jobs or an engineer like Mark Zuckerberg. 
If you look at terrorist targets, it's now supply chains rather than airports. If you look at cyber attacks, you look at solar winds, which is front page news. You look at colonial pipeline, which was front page news. You look at JBS, which was front page news. Those are all supply chain cyber attacks. What used to be a very kind of um, dusty, murky backwater of the business, we would typically run into procurement and supply chain in the context of, I need to get something done. I need to get it fast. And they're just slowing me down by making me go through an extra month of contracting or compliance checks or these kind of things. And procurement was very much viewed as a cost center in the business, has really been flipped on its head. What used to be a cost center is now a key competitive differentiator and advantage for businesses. And what used to be kind of a murky backwater of the business is now the front line of our defense against terrorists and cyber attacks. You've gone from being kind of a back office professional to Jason Bourne in a matter of a year or two. And so I think supply chain is just a fascinatingly exciting place to be. And then the second part of your question is, as you grow, all of these problems just become more difficult. As you, you know, if you're going from 10 million to 30 million, you can easily go from hundreds to thousands to potentially tens of thousands of suppliers. And you've got much higher levels of revenue on the risk and supply chain becomes more and more relevant to the executives. Some of the ways that we looked at, so I was um, dealing with a, a CFO of a local business here. Yeah. And what we were looking at him is he was just looking at creative ways to visualize data so he could make better, faster decisions. That's what occupies people, making better, informed, faster decisions. And in this case, what we were able to do is build up a dashboard of him. So what he won was a dashboard of, on any given day, where are my biggest risks from four yeah. perspectives? Where are my biggest risks from a cybersecurity perspective? Where are my biggest risks from a financial perspective? Where are my biggest risks from an ESG and environmental impact perspective? And then what is like, what is the news of the day that impacts me? Like, I don't want to have to read the Wall Street Journal end to end to find out what actually matters to me. So those are the kind of solutions that we're solving for CFOs trying to scale their business is ways of very quickly and agilely incorporate information in their decisions, not have to wait for your team to spend three days telling you what your given relationship is with the supplier. Yeah. So when we look at these dashboards, obviously to create these dashboards, you have to have your data in order. You have to have your suppliers in order. And until you have that, so let's say if you look at the smaller, slightly smaller businesses, and this we have seen even in the larger businesses, uh, just because they are large, it does not mean that they are going to have the most organized operations uh, or the data. So you are going to have tons and tons of problems overall from the process perspective, as well as from the data perspective. So let's I'm actually going back to, to my question again. Uh, when uh, we look at this planning uh, from, let's say, 5 million to 10 million to, to 50 million to 100 to 200 or maybe a billion dollars. Now, when we are, let's say, the small, then I don't necessarily have to worry about planning as much because I may be working with, let's say, 100 different vendors. They may be local. I may know them, you know, uh, and they might provide the best rate. So I may not have multiple entities that are responsible for independent decision making. But as mm -hmm. I grow, let's say, if I am at, let's say, 50 million a point. And I don't know, maybe I have two or three different sites. That's where you are going to have your P&L owners that are going to be responsible for procurement unless you have centralized procurement, which is, again, very rare in our experience. 
that we don't find, especially when it comes to SMB space. So what is that state and, and how to sort of plan this so that I don't have my duplicate vendors in the system and I have the data and the processes set up in a way that we will be able to put that dashboard so that it can provide all the information that I need from my business perspective. Sam, you've nailed it. The, the ideal situation is, you know, you're when you're small, you know your yeah. vendors inside out. You maybe have handshake relationships. In this idealized world, let's say we all live in the same town together. Our kids go to the same school. Yeah. I know these people inside out. I depend on them. I understand them. I've got an empathetic relationship with them, and I can rely on them. The reality is that that doesn't scale. Okay. Right? Like from a number, you know, A, globalization, you're going to be dealing with globalized vendors who don't speak English as a first language. You're going to be yeah. dealing with, you know, just as you said, as you, as soon as you have a second business division, there's a natural breakdown in communications. The organization scales, communication becomes a challenge, information becomes a challenge. And as you're scaling, it's important to differentiate between kind of two types of information when you're dealing with suppliers. The first is internal information, such as what you get from your ERP system. If And that's not easy. If you're yeah. lucky, you've got a good deployment and you know exactly what you're spending with who and why. On the other side, you've got external information, which is information about those businesses, your suppliers, which proves absolutely critical in times of stress like COVID. Understanding which of your suppliers are under distress, which of you, that could be financial distress, that could be cultural distress, who's losing employees, who's yeah. hiring employees, who's growing, who's shrinking. All of these kind of things are top of mind concerns for businesses. I'll give you an example of a small shipping company that I work with in Europe. Shipping requires oil and fuel whenever the ship docks, right? To simplify things. Their number one oil and fuel supplier went into bankruptcy proceedings without telling them. Your supplier is never going to give you advance warning of this. What that resulted is the CFO of that company had to sign a contract in which he paid in advance for five years of this service for his ships. That in turn nearly caused that CFO to flirt with bankruptcy. A risk that he didn't even know existed the day before is pushing yeah. him to bankruptcy the next day. And so the problem that we're trying to solve for business leaders is how do you know today what you would usually find out tomorrow from your suppliers, how you can get that critical one day or two day, or you know, oftentimes we see a week or more advantage in yeah. information so you can make, again, better informed, more agile decisions as you grow your business. Okay, amazing. So that actually reminds me of one of the stories that I have come across myself overall in terms of the procurement processes of a growing business. So this story is about, uh, you know, an organization, they were really growing. Obviously, they had a lot of different pain. Uh, the procurement was always sort of the bottleneck, just because there was this one person who was responsible to track all of these vendors and mm -hmm. just not to sort of increase the the cost of the admin, because when you are setting up these vendors, when you are trying to analyze the cost, when you are trying to negotiate uh, with them, obviously, that actually increases the admin cost as well. Now, you need to factor that in when you are trying to negotiate, because, you know, if your cost of admin is going to be more than the discount that you are seeking, that's not a very smart business decision anyways, right? So what these guys used to do is they had just one person and she had the reams of paper that she had to go through. And to simplify their process, they had just one vendor per product. Can you believe this? One vendor per product. No negotiation. They just said one vendor. Now, 
from their perspective, they are doing this to simplify the business practices. Now, from your perspective, I ask you, would you be comfortable being a CEO of this company? If not, why not? <laughs> well, yeah, anytime you're dependent on a single vendor, you can't determine your own fate, right? Like, and that, that's a big part of managing the supply chain in agile yeah. in an agile way is how to control your supply chain rather than letting your supply chain control you. And what I would think the vast majority of business experience in COVID is, uh-oh, my supply chain controls me. You can see this particularly in the automotive sector where we cannot produce cars to meet demand because there's a shortage of chips, right? Like that, that one constraint, it's not wheels, it's not tires, it's not gas, it's not engines, it's just chips is constraining an entire worldwide industry now to the point that used cars are more expensive now than when you bought them two years ago. And so to bring it back to your question, what, what we're really trying to help business leaders solve is how to understand their supply chain in a way that they can agilely change it to meet the demands of a changing business world. How can I very quickly find an alternate vendor in the same category with the same locations profile so that they, for instance, like, a, a typical problem that I have is like, okay, I need new part X for my yeah. manufacturing distribution because the my previous vendor Y who provides part X has gone under. I can't just go out to any company because I need certain vendors who are closer to my manufacturing center. So I had a uh, a customer who was in uh, military industrials, it was kind of a mid-sized customer who needed vendors within 12 hours of their manufacturing facilities. How do you figure that out at scale? That's a, actually a deceptively very hard problem to go through, make a list of your manufacturing facilities, and then start individually Google mapping each location of the potential vendor you're selecting against that. That's the kind of challenge that you need to be able to address with data in an automated fashion. And this is, this is where the good news story comes in, is digital transformation is enabling a renaissance of supply chain technologies that allows business leaders to solve these things in an agile and efficient way. The premise of your story was, we don't want bloat in our procurement organization, so we're just going to simplify our vendors and work with less vendors so we don't have yep. to hire more procurement people. Everyone experiences that. That is a common problem across all the supply chain and procurement organizations I deal with. The good news steer story here is through digital transformation, you can make, let's call her Nancy, our one supply chain person, our one procurement person, Nancy, Nancy manage 10x the number of vendors, 10x the number of relationships in an even more informed and efficient manager, manner through digital transformation than she could when she was just doing it all paper-based with best effort. Okay, so I am actually going to go back to that story again and one of the things that I noticed, especially with your solution and the platform, and from my experience, when I look at the different procurement organizations, even let's say if they have multiple vendors, they have sort of thought through the supply chain risk. But one of the challenges that they are going to run into is when it comes to data quality. So let's say mm -hmm. you have uh, you are working with a vendor called Walmart. Okay, mm -hmm. Walmart is supplying you something. I'm just making things up. If you are dealing with, let's say, Walmart in Dallas, Texas, and then Walmart in Austin, Texas, and then Walmart in your, I don't know, I mean, San Antonio, Texas, 
Now, if you're doing that, if all your names are good and your engine is good, then you know you don't have a problem. But sometimes what is going to happen is you know your vendors are going to be called Walmart in Texas and Kroger in, <laughs> in Ohio. So now your system needs to know, okay, if this is the right vendor, because from the contracting and, and relationship perspective, you should be able to tie these things in to be able to take advantage of the cost savings that you are going to get by implementing the dashboards, by implementing the data that you are providing. So do you agree that this problem exists in the organization when we look at the manufacturing organization, even though they might have analyzed their supply chain completely that I understand my vendors, but since I'm working with the 10,000 vendors, sometimes it's hard for me to be able to understand because they could name differently, even though they are the same vendor and I could sign a corporate contract and I can get the discount, but I'm not getting that. So what would he say to that? No, no, you're spot on. Kind of the last generation has been a story about the tech giants like Walmart, like Amazon, like Microsoft, yeah. using digital transformation against us as SMBs. You know, the classic story is the neighborhood bookshop going out of business because all their business gone to Amazon, right? We finally turned the corner where SMBs can start using digital transformation against those tech giants. And this is a key example. By knowing more about you know, a large vendor you're doing, let's say Walmart, you can start to balance out the power structure simply by understanding their business a little bit better, understanding the lay of the land better, because I guarantee you Walmart is not going to know you very well. And whoever you're negotiating at Walmart is not going to know you very well. Yeah. By coming into that negotiation with a slightly better informed understanding of Walmart in this case, you can do exactly what you said. You can start taking advantage of opportunities that you might not have seen before. You can start leveling the playing field a little bit in that negotiation. You can understand, well, hey, like I just read that you've got this initiative in Texas. I have to be buying in Texas as well. I know we're talking about a deal in Massachusetts, but what if we marry these two together? Can we not create a win-win here? That's kind of how I see um, digital transformation and better supplier intelligence helping SMBs compete with the bullies that have been beating them up for the last 30 years. Okay, amazing. That's it for today, Matt. Do you have any last minute closing thoughts? Yeah, yeah. I just invite you all to go to craft.co. We've got a free website. Take a look at some of your suppliers. Maybe take a look at your own company. See if you can learn something a little bit more about the people your business depends on that helps you deepen and get more out of that relationship. Okay, amazing. And my personal takeaway from this conversation is going to be there's so much intelligence out there, especially when it comes to analyzing your cost, when it comes to analyzing your supply chain, the kind of cost savings you can have in your supply chain that you probably don't have to worry as much about the sales. You can get the cost savings, you can improve your bottom line, but you need to know how to apply that intelligence to your business. On that note, Matt, I really want to thank you for your time. This has been um, an insightful episode. Thanks, Sam. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. I cannot thank our guests enough for coming on the show, for sharing their knowledge and journey. I always pick up learnings from our guests, and hopefully you learned something new today. If you want to learn more about Matt, head over to craft.co. It's C-R-A-F-T dot C-O. And see if understanding a key supplier or partner better holistically helps you improve that relationship. Links and more information will also be available in the show notes. 
If anything in this podcast resonated with you and your business, you might want to check other related episodes, including the interview with Krisa Klein, who discusses the supply chain nuances of the apparel industry and its unique challenges. Also, the interview with Mark Shenshius, who discusses selling to and negotiating with FMCG buyers with buying environments where they need to make quick decisions and move fast. Also, don't forget to subscribe and spread the word among folks with similar backgrounds. If you have any questions or comments about the show, please review and rate us on your favorite podcasting platform or DM me on any social channels. I'll try my best to respond personally and make sure you get help. Thank you and I hope to catch you on the next episode of the WBS Podcast. Thank you for listening to another episode of the WBS Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you never miss an episode. For more information on growth strategies for SMBs using ERP and digital transformation, check out our community at wbs.rocks. We'll see you next time.